Liz Sumner, and this is I Always Wanted To, the podcast where I interview people who are doing things that others long to do. What have you always wanted to try? My guest today is Anne Huffington. Uh, we were recently part of a Facebook group conversation about being bold, and Anne mentioned that she not only did scuba diving, but also paragliding. I knew I had to get her on this podcast. So, welcome, Anne. And before I ask you about your adventures in the sea and sky, uh, tell me a little bit about your regular life here on Earth. I will. Um, thank you for having me on the podcast. Um, I retired at the end of last year. Ooh, congratulations. Yeah, thanks. After 33 years in, in a very high-pressure company, and I decided I wanted a different life. I wanted something more attuned to the earth and the, mm. and the land and the spiritual senses that I get. Mm. And so I moved from Southern California to the Pacific Northwest. Mm. I'm about 60 miles north of Seattle in a little town called Mount Vernon and am absolutely loving the change. Oh, that's, that's wonderful. I, I love that area. Thanks. And uh, I, I understand um, that your initial ventures into extreme sports uh, came out of a kind of a dark time in your life. Um, yeah. Would you tell us how you managed to come through that? I will. Um, it had been a lifelong dream to have children. Um, I had tried every which way to Sunday in medically induced uh, modalities to get pregnant but I kept miscarrying those children. And after my third miscarriage, mm. I thought, I was 43. Oh, I no. thought, you know, it's just time to grieve this. And what could I have never done as a mother that I could possibly do now? And I thought, scuba diving. <laughs> and so, yeah, right. And so I took lessons and went down, and it was cold water diving. I was in Monterey, California, uh -huh. and uh, I absolutely fell in love with the experience of diving into this kind of green, murky water mm -hmm. and going down and down and down away from the sunlight, and all of a sudden the bottom would open up for my usual pleasure, and I would see creatures and things that I never dreamt were even there. Oh, wow. And then I would come back up through the murky green water, and I would go into the sunlight and burst into the sunlight. It was just magical. Wow. wow. It, was, it was lovely, and I could travel that way because I was single at the time, and I could, um, I could go with groups of people and live on boats and traveled all over the world doing that and loved it. But fate had me at a women's networking group uh -huh. and the union analyst, Jean Shinoda Bolin, was sitting in a hot tub with me. <laughs> Jean, Jean had written things like Crossing into Avalon uh, about growing older and she she had written books on goddesses mm. and how we 
have archetypal goddesses in our lives, written those types of books. And I was fascinated by her. And she asked me what I did for my passions. And I told her about scuba diving just to get it to you. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, I, it's a Jungian thing that we think that whatever we're manifesting on the outside is what we're doing on the inside. So I guess that you are in deep grief therapy. And I said, as a matter of fact, (laughs) I'm going three times a a week and doing black hole work, which is deep grief. Wow. So I thought to myself, hmm, if that's true, that we manifest on the outside what's going on the inside, I wonder if we can manifest by changing the outside. Ah, yeah, the effect of yeah. making the cause. Change the inside. So I said to me, it's time for me to soar. It's time for me to fly. So I looked up paragliding. At the, that age, there wasn't Google. Uh-huh. And I found a, a school nearby. And I signed up for a lesson. I had no idea if I'd be able to do it or like it. So one lesson was $100, and I figured I could do that. Uh-huh. And uh, it was an all-day lesson. And I started out uh, just putting the glider out behind me. Keep in mind, for listeners who don't know what paragliding is, that it's not hang gliding. Hang gliding is a fixed wing, triangular-shaped uh, flying machine okay. that go off a cliff or into an airstream and you're flying um, parallel to the ground and, and moving the glider with your hands holding a bar. Okay. That's gliding. And paragliding is not parasailing. Parasailing is when you're attached to something that is moving you through the air, like a boat or uh-huh. maybe a um, paragliding is um, half moon shaped, 35 foot plus wing that has nothing but you can fold it up and it fits into a backpack. Oh, wow. And it is easy to travel with. And so you lay the glider out on the ground, it's attached to you by, by lines, and it attaches to carabiners that wrap around your arm, your uh, chest area, and both of your legs. And when you're airborne, you actually can sit on it. So you're in position, and your hands are um, kind of at your earlobes, holding (laughs) to toggles, which you use to control the the, uh, position of the glider. And you can reach up and grab the strings and pull strings down in order to compress certain parts of the glider to maybe make it soar faster or make it come down out of the out of the airstream that you're in. And then you use your body as well as those toggles to move right or left. But what makes it work is that Picture a flat surface and like a cliff and Uh the ocean out in front of you. I'm going to give you 
ridge soaring. It's called ridge soaring. Okay. So there's a cliff, an ocean in front of you. The breeze is coming in from the ocean, hits the cliff, and rises up. Mm-hmm. So you walk off the cliff into the rising air. Oh, my God. And then soar to the right or to the left along the cliff. As long as you've got the cliff and the rising air, you will be airborne. My longest ridge soaring flight was five and a half hours. Oh, my God. And I came down just simply because I had to pee. (laughs) (laughs) I would have stopped. I think men handle that a different way. (laughs) I don't think they can do that. Um, So that is ridge soaring. There's also another type of flying, which is called thermaling. And how you do that is that you, you launch off a mountain and then you try to find rising air, uh, almost like a cyclone-shaped air. Mm-hmm. And it'll be rising off the ground if you're lucky. And you will know you're in it because you feel that sensation of the seat moving. Okay. With, and um, then you can ride that, that thermal by using a circular motion within the thermal and um, ride it as high as you want. I, I think I was well over a mile above the launch point, which was probably a, so two miles up. I, could, I did that um, flying while I was trying to get my intermediate license. You, you come into paragliding as a newcomer and you learn how to set up your glider and stow your glider into your backpack and you learned what's called ground handling. Mm-hmm. And how to take this 35-foot wingspan, get it into an airstream, and then try to manipulate it from the ground so that you don't wrap yourself up in it or do some crazy thing that harm you. Once you've got that part down, what they do in your first lesson is they take you up a little ways. You walk up up a hill a little ways, and you lay the glider out, and you bring it up by running and the key word here is run 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 (laughs) Uh you know then you have your glider in over your head and you're running down this hill and it's super great but you do that about eight or nine more times Mm -hmm. and every little so often they'll take you to go up a little further go up a little further up the hill The first time I remember being airborne, I was a little bit up the training hill. My instructor said, run. I ran and ran, and I realized that my feet were not touching the ground. And if you've you've ever had a dream of flying, that's what it was like. I was was flying, but I was in real life flying. And I was hooked. I just knew that this was my sport. End of our whole day of a lesson, I said, okay, what's the steps to become a paraglider pilot? And she said, well, we offer a 10 lesson um, package that is, I think it was $1,000 for 10 lessons. Mm -hmm. And, um, And you will become a novice at the end of that. You will become a novice pilot. Mm -hmm. And then you can go on in lessons and get your intermediate, you can get your advanced, you can get your 
structure. Mm -hmm. And so I said, 10, 10 lessons, $1,000, fine. Here it is. <laughs> I was so jazzed. And so every weekend we would meet at the training hill and we would do this. I also decided I could have um, just rented the equipment from them, kept renting. But I thought, no, I want to learn to do this with my own equipment. So I bought my own paraglider. And that was a challenge because paragliding was seen as a male sport. Mm -hmm. And so they didn't make paragliders tiny enough for women. Mm -hmm. I got the very smallest Will's wing paraglider. It was bright yellow with a purple splash. And, <laughs> and, and I named it Glory. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when you, when, you're, when you have a paraglider, you also have a reserve chute that uh -huh. Velcroed into the, to the uh, harness. Uh -huh. And if, you get, if you're high enough and you're in trouble, you can rip the Velcro and the chute comes out and hopefully brings you down safely. Mm -hmm. So I got that whole package, the harness, the, the reserve chute, and the paraglider. And the helmet is important because that's where a paraglider will put stickers so that other paragliding pilots can see at a glance. They either see a, a novice or an intermediate or an advanced or, a, or an instructor level. Uh-huh. And so I, I signed up for another part of the class when I got my novice mm -hmm. to the intermediate level. And to do that, I had to have skill in mountain flying, in thermal flying. Mm -hmm. it, it scared me some because they were much higher mountains. And um, my first introduction to mountain flying was actually at a place in Big Sur, which is a beautiful area to fly mm -hmm. next to the Pacific Ocean. And I thought that I was going to fly off a 600-foot hill where I could see the landing zone. Now, I was rated for that. A novice can do that. Um, and, but I got on the back of a truck with a bunch of other pilots, and we were going and going up this hill, and I didn't... I finally asked, I said, are we going to Harry's Hill? And they went, no, <laughs> we're going to wild cattle. <laughs> well, and what's wild cattle? And they said, well, it's 3,200 feet. Oh, my. Launch, and we're going to have to fly through some clouds. And then we're going to have to turn to the left, and you'll see the landing zone down in front of you. I said, 3,000 <laughs> <laughs> I have never done one. I've never flown through clouds. I'm not rated for that. And so I kind of panicked. And then I said, "What the logical the logical thing is is anyone here in this truck uh, an instructor?" Oh, good. Oh. Sorry. And this one man said yes. And I said, "Do you have any students right at this moment?" He said, "No." I said. Can I become your student right now? Uh -huh. I am now under instruction with you. Oh, so that and makes you legal? That made me legal and it also made me less scared. Oh, good, good, okay. And I said to the instructor, I said, okay. I I'd watched the other pilots take off. I was the last one to go. And he said, okay, now you're gonna do your launch. You're gonna find your rising air. 
you're going to fly, you're going to go toward the clouds, and you're going to be in the clouds for a little bit. So you're not going to be able to see anything, and it's going to be very cold. And I'm going to talk to you through the whole thing. And I said, quite frankly, I may be too nervous to push the button to talk to you. <laughs> if you don't hear from me, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. So I got up. He said, can you feel yourself sinking now? And I couldn't because I wasn't that experienced. And he said, you are. So you've got to fly, fly faster and uh, by pushing on a stirrup that's in the bottom part of your harness, uh-huh. a speed strip, we call it. And you've got to um, angle the, that angles the glider more into a flight dynamic pattern so that it flies faster forward. And um, so I did that and I got into some rising air. He said, now can you feel the seat of your pants and how your glider is rising at this point? And I said, yes, I can feel that. He said, good, you're doing fine. And he said, now wiggle your feet if you're having fun. (laughs) I wiggled my feet. (laughs) Went through the cloud, broke out of the cloud, saw the Pacific Ocean in front of me. I was marveling that I was under a piece of silk and I was seeing the tops of these giant redwood trees. Oh my word. Flying over them. I was so cool. I had super. Yes, you are. <laughs> and it felt so good. And uh-huh. so I got there. I found the landing thing. I landed right on the money. And I folded up my glider and went up the hill to do it again. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. And so that was my first um, venture and into, into high flying, into okay. uh-huh. flying. And, um, and I just loved it. Mm-hmm. The feeling after I would land was like nothing you can experience unless you are really putting something on the line. Yeah. I- it's a feeling of invincibility. And since I was in my 40s, I don't, I think I, now I'm 60s and I think, yeah, kid, you know. <laughs> do, you, do you still fly? I, uh, no, I don't. I, um, in my flying career, I finally had to get bifocals. Uh-huh. That was not conducive to good flight. I realized I couldn't wear them and wear the helmet as well. And, uh-huh and my radio and i just thought this isn't safe i can't i i can't judge things very well um so i i gave it up but not before i had done lots of flying uh-huh. and i became the first woman president of the bay area paragliding association oh wow yeah and so i got to um really distinguish myself in the sport and um and loved it and loved it immensely wow however i have to say i have to say it's not like a sport that you can't hurt yourself in. it's not tennis <laughs> yep it's a sport that i saw many of my friends get hurt on did, did you have any yeah. close calls or any accidents i did uh one time i i was uh, 
I took a friend down to, uh, he was from out of town. I took him to the Pacific Coast and I, I said, well, it, it's a little bit rough out here. The wind was probably 18 to 20 miles an hour and 18 is the most that we should launch in. Mm -hmm. And I said, but I think I could fly it and I want to give you a sense of how it is, how, how it's done. And so I foolishly launched and went to the higher part of the cliff and I realized that I was being blown backwards. Mm. A very dangerous thing because when you're going backwards but up. And so it was something on every paraglider pilot's mind that if you're going backwards and up, you are in a lot of danger. So I took my wing, I compressed it, and we call this maneuver big ears because it looks like big ears coming down. I compressed it. I stood on my, um, on my uh, forward strip, my speed strip, and I pressed my chest into my uh, chest straps as far forward as I could, and I was very lucky. I came out of it. I got low enough so that I wasn't being blown back and I was able to land. But that was, that was very silly. That was stupid of me. It's not terribly risky. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not, uh, it's not tennis. Yeah. Well, it, it sounds as though you, if you, if you pay attention to your training and you, you, you don't do the things that people tell you not to do. Right. Um, you that, take direction from people who know yeah. more than you. Yeah. You realize what your skill level is and what it isn't. How, yeah. str how strong do you have to be? How, how, and and were, you, were you always athletic? Is it, uh, it, or did you no. have to? Really? Oh. I wasn't. But, but taking up scuba diving at the age of 40, 43, I was, I was and paragliding at 46, I was, um, I was stronger than most, most people. I remember the exact moment when uh, at this place that we used to fly in Pacifica, it was called The Dump. Uh -huh. uh, and it was a perfect paraglider's place. And it had a place to launch. We called it walkers because you had to walk up to it. You couldn't just go off the cliff. You just walked up and you were at the top of this little hill. I walked up and I always felt a, a, a fair amount of tension. Um, is it going to go right? Am I going to do this correctly? Am I going to look good? You know? Mm -hmm. And this one time there was a line of people of pilots that wanted to launch, but the wind was really light. And so it was very hard to get your glider into the air. So this one man was waiting to uh, get his glider into the air. And I was right behind him in line. And suddenly the wind kind of changed and I knew it had changed. It had picked up a little bit. And I said, um, please, are you going to go? Because it's you can launch now. And he went, oh, oh. And he turned and launched. And I realized that I was eager to get to launch myself. Mm -hmm. That was a change for me, that there was no tension, that I was feeling uh, uh, wonderful about it. Yeah. Uh, you're making it so visual for me that um, uh, it, it's uh, you're, you're, you're painting a, a fabulous picture. Um, yeah. 
I, I, do you have any particular um, advice or resources to tell somebody who might think about, might be wanting to try it? Well, now it's, you know, it's easy to get on Google and type in paragliding and you will be sent to sites in all parts of the country that teach it. Mm -hmm. I would say uh, before you go off on your own, don't do that. <laughs> I know that some people, when they're 16 years old or something, they want to, they think they're invincible and they can do everything. And I've seen it and I've seen the bad things that happen from it. Mm -hmm. So get an instructor, get somebody who's willing to, who is making money teaching mm -hmm. to do this and be prepared to spend a thousand bucks to get to the point where you can actually fly on your own. And and um, if they wanted to um, have their own equipment, what what did that cost? Back in the day, I spent three thousand dollars on my equipment. So it's not it's not a poor person's sport, but um, but you know um, what what would you pay to be able to fly? <laughs> and you might find that you outgrow your glider. I chose a Will's wing, um, which was a very stable uh, manufacturer of gliders. <laughs> And um, it had rounded edges on it, not square like a like a parachutist that's coming out of an airplane has, mm -hmm. but it was had rounded edges, which meant it didn't go as fast. It didn't do many of the tricky things that you could. And as, if you get the pointy ends kind of glider, I don't know what to call it, <laughs> the air better and faster and sharper. And you could do wingovers and flyovers and all sorts of neat things. So I, I advanced out of the wheels wing and into a, a more uh, an advanced glider. Mm -hmm. So I had to spend a little more money on that. Uh, I wanted a flight suit after a while because it got cold up there. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to look cool. Yeah. <laughs> so I got a flight suit. And, at the end, you know, you get your ham radio license and so then you get a two meter radio or I don't know what they use nowadays they probably use cell phones but but after the initial outlay of of money you were pretty good you also took classes there were specialty classes like in deployment of your spare chute mm. oh yeah, so yeah. I did that because it you were in a simulator and you were in turbulence and all of a sudden everything went to hell and you are you are being bounced up and down and sideways and everything and now now pull your chute and i found out that my velcro is so old that i couldn't rip it i didn't have to <sighs> i wouldn't good to know <laughs> yeah yeah good to know <laughs> and so i began a a practice of ripping open the chute um, on the ground so that it, so that the Velcro didn't seize up on me. I once had a red-tailed hawk land on the top of my glider. Oh, wow. When I was up there. Yeah, yeah. That was so cool. <laughs> Praying wow. that its talons weren't going to rip yeah. through my glider, you know. But, Good point. But to see its shadow above me, oh. <laughs> that was so cool. Wow. So when was the last time you flew? Oh gosh, um, I was probably in my fifties. So wow, it's been a long while. Yeah, and I and, miss it. 
Yeah, I can imagine. And and what about diving? Did did you ever go back to to diving? Oh yeah, I was diving all the time. I was flying too. Okay. Um, you know, when the wind wasn't good, I was out in the ocean, and I don't like gravity much. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the last I I luckily married a man who also dives, and um, oh good. Our last trip, we went on a Cayman Aggressor, and that's a boat that you can live on and just many times a day. Mm, so oh. that was a couple of years ago. We went to Cayman and did that, and we'll go again. We'll do something again because I, I love it. Mm-hmm. Any any other um, mountains to climb or, or um, uh, things to achieve um, physically, or are you moving on to, to other kinds of pursuits? Well, I, I've got a big spiritual bent now, and, um, and I am learning to become a practitioner for friends of mind to maybe generate healing in some way. Ooh, lovely. Um, I'm working with rescue organizations to help mostly senior dogs. Uh-huh. And, um, and I'm doing that kind of thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Rather than uh, rather than extreme sports, I'm 68, and there's always a chance, you know, that I would find another sport, do another sport. I've tried the sports that are, you know, golf and stuff, and they just don't cut it with me. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 after you've been flying, how could you play golf? <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah, well, <laughs> I, I guess it can be some people's thing. I guess. <laughs> but you know, and I do a lot of hiking. I do a lot of hiking. Uh-huh. Um, and You're that, in a beautiful place for that. That's that. Sure am. Yeah. Even just around me, I'm. I'm. I've got trails galore. Mm. So I try to keep keep going that way. Um, I'll I'll make a shameless plug for a for a Facebook site called Younger Next Year Amen. 2018, and yes. it is a woman who started it based on the book Younger Next Year, which all about the what we have to do to keep ourselves from doing what mammals do (laughs) i am i totally concur that that group has been um really useful to me that's how we met oh yeah that's right and and it's the idea uh, uh that book inspired me so that um I, I now believe that I have a fabulous 30 more years of, of wonderful, fun life. And that's one exactly. of the reasons why I'm doing this podcast is to, to help um, encourage anybody who is tempted to try something but thinks, oh, no, I couldn't do that. I'm too old or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I, I want them to, to, to stop thinking that way. Yeah. Read, read the yeah. book. Join the no. Facebook group and, and no. have a have a good time. I'm afraid we we have to to close now, but okay. I want to thank you so much, Anne Huffington. I appreciate okay. your time and your fabulous stories. Um, and uh, for the listeners, there are um, some cool pictures that Anne gave me, and I'm going to put them up in the podcast notes um, so you can um, check out what her glider looked like. I think that's it. Um, I'm Liz Sumner, uh, reminding everybody to be bold. And thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.